0: From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast. Cole Pepper, Mark Brunel, coming to you from World Headquarters (laughs) at uh, Channel 4, uh, where we have just completed, by the way, one of the things you do in TV that. You can't. You don't really understand what it is until you've actually been through it, and that is a promotional shoot. Yes, uh, I believe that was my second uh, promotional second shoot. one I've done
1: with you. I know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, it just keeps getting better and better. A lot of makeup on. A lot of makeup. A lot of makeup. Yeah. Thick on the makeup. Yeah. I don't remember it being like that. Did, did they go too heavy on the eye shadow? A little too high. A little too high on the mascara.
0: Well, I mean, well, really makes my lashes pop. <laughs> Uh, so you'll see some of that stuff probably coming up on Channel Four. I'll be long. Uh, that included Brian Jackson and Justin Barney, of course. Ooh, the new addition the new to addition. the team. Uh, we're thinking of good ways to haze him already. Ooh, you got to be careful with that. These and it's, days. yeah, you've got it's got to be. Is there a goalpost we could tie
1: him to somewhere?
0: So, so this is what I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, under Jack Del Rio, there was some goalpost tapings and um, various. Uh, fluids being thrown at, like shaving cream and right. lotions and balms.
1: Right. Uh, were you hazed as an NFL player or a college player? Actually, um, the only thing in, in college that I had to do was get up during one of our team meals and sing in front of the team. And what did you sing? I can't even. I, you have to give me a moment on that. I okay. don't know. I don't remember what that was. Um, it wasn't
0: like high school fight song. Like singing uh, the college some guys did. Is always, but you
1: know what? After a while, you know the the. Uh, uh, the rough crowd starts, you know, they start making rules. Uh-huh. No fight song right. or anything like that. Yeah. No. Um, but uh, I don't remember. But in when I got to Green Bay, uh, Mike Holmgren said, listen, there will be no hazing. We're not going to put in... It's hard enough for the rookies. We're not going to put them in situations where they're embarrassed or feel threatened or, you know, because those things could get out of hand. So there was no hazing. There was nothing as a rookie in Green Bay. I was real fortunate. All I had to do was buy the team breakfast one day, one morning. Yeah, which was that?
0: that low-scale hazing, I think, actually accomplishes what hazing is supposed to accomplish positively, right. which is create a group experience, create a little common bond, yep. rather than just making the veterans feel better than the rookies, which... They should already feel that way because they've played in
1: the NFL. And these guys haven't, right? It, and you know, it, and sometimes it can go real bad. I've heard some stories mm-hmm. that that uh, would shock our listeners right now. What rookies had to do, what they had to buy, what that you know things like that. It, it could. Uh, I don't think anything like that goes on anymore. But but uh, back in the day, uh, it was it was pretty wild.
0: The the two sort of most consistent hazing things. That I remember in college football, was freshmen carried helmets and shoulder pads right. after harmless, practice. Harmless, harmless. And freshmen had to turn the showers on. Freshmen had to turn the showers on yeah. to warm them up warm before them up. the guys. Yeah, yeah. And this is in the Midwest where it was cold, so you know you. Yeah, I get
1: that. Um, but I mean, that was it. Big deal. That was it. Oh nah, so, gosh, if that's as bad as it gets. Yeah. Maybe a meal or two. But yeah. That was not that's not too bad.
0: All right. Let's talk about veterans rather than rookie. We're going to get to rookies here, but we do want to spend a little bit of time. On the quarterback situation, because it continues to sort of evolve with uh, regard to the Jaguars, last week Joe Flacco uh, traded, or at least agreed, the agreement was made to trade him to the Denver Broncos. That was one guy that we had talked about as a possible target for the Jaguars. How big a a blow is that for the Jaguars' plans?
1: Well, it takes one off the board, and we don't know. We'll never know just how uh, interesting... Uh, Joe Flacco was to the Jaguars. He might have been at the top of their list. Obviously, he's at the top of John Elway's list, and, and uh, he wasted no time in, in getting him. Listen, Joe Flacco, um, yeah, he's got a lot of heat maybe the last year or two, or or the fact that they, they uh, drafted Lamar Jackson says something about how they feel about Joe Flacco's future with the team. But, you know, that happens, but he's a durable player. He's won a Super Bowl. His numbers are good. Uh, if you take a deep dive into Joe Flacco, you're going to be impressed with his career. Uh, is his best football behind him? Maybe, probably, but um, the Broncos saw something. Maybe the uh, the the Jaguars saw something, but doesn't matter. He I mean, he's he's off the board, and 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 that's a shame because going into this, when you, when you can start pulling trigger, you know, I'd like you'd like to have multiple options, and they've got one less option right now.
0: I talked to Hayden Hurst a couple of weeks ago. I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast, the uh, former Bulls, Bulls tight end. Yep. Uh, And South Carolina, who's now with with the Ravens, and he said, "Whoever gets Joe Flacco is getting a great teammate, really good person, and a guy you want to have on your team." So uh, that was a
1: you know that that's great. It sounds like they're friends, and of course he's going to say that. Uh, I'm sure he's a great teammate. I'm sure he's a great guy. Yeah, I don't know how much he's got left. I don't really care. I I want him to win. I want him to be able to win games, and it doesn't mean you go out there and you just grab a dirt bag, you know, and just a a guy that's not a good team player. But but you expect that. You expect to hear that from uh, a teammate. And uh, I think right now the Jaguars are looking for somebody that that can win football games.
0: All right, which leads us back to Nick Foles. Mm -hmm. As we are recording this at 3 o'clock on Wednesday the 20th, the Eagles have not placed the franchise tag on him as of yet. The Eagles may place the franchise tag on him and then attempt to trade him. Uh, If they do, that would mean that he's got a a one-year, $25.5 million salary coming. If he's got the franchise tag on him, if you're going to trade for him, it probably means you've already had the discussion with he and his agent to say, all right, we're going to renegotiate this contract and take the cap, take the tag off of you and and do this, which I'm sure Foles would prefer, Sure. Uh, but listen, one year at 25 and a half mil ain't a bad deal if, uh, if you think you can go out there and prove something else. Would you trade for Nick Foles in this situation? Uh, knowing what the salary situation might be uh, if you got him with a, with a franchise tag. what would I have
1: to potentially give up what what what, what is kind of the is it a third a is third it a third and
0: a fifth let's say a third this a year third and fifth and a fifth and next year
1: I um, I would say absolutely not really third and a fifth and you're gonna have to pay 25 million I don't think he's worth it yeah that's sort of the I don't the, I, the, I don't think uh, Nick Foles is worth that um, this is what I think about Nick, Nick Foles. I think Nick Foles um, has had elite moments, but I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think what you've seen with the Philadelphia Eagles, um, Nick Foles has managed very well. He's come up with some big plays. I think he's, he's very much a product of his surroundings, meaning his, the, the, uh, the supporting cast he has had around him, the system in which he has played under, the coaching my fear is you go out and you you tra- you you give up two picks a third or fifth is big Cole that's it's basically big what now. you gave
0: was what you got for Dante Fowler remember
1: uh, yes so you
0: have those quote unquote okay. extra picks
1: uh, and twenty five million I know that's the market but my fear is that um, we go get him but there is no guarantee there's no guarantee Cole that he the 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 Jaguar Nick Foles is going to be the Philadelphia Eagle Nick Foles look at the body of work yeah. It's not overly impressive. We the, just see those moments that have been real impressive. The thing I like about him is how he
0: plays in money time. When when the game's on the line, when it's the fourth quarter, when it's the red zone, when it's the playoffs, when it's the Super Bowl, that guy can play under pressure. That was my number one criticism of Blake Bortles. On third down, in the fourth quarter, in the red zone, He didn't have his best. Now, we did have a very good game, obviously, a couple of very good games in the playoffs. Yep. But when the pressure was at its greatest, come-from-behind opportunities, he never rose to the occasion. That doesn't mean that's the only thing I want out of a quarterback. But that does—anytime you you have one player and you're moving on to the next, and especially a coach or a quarterback, you look at what— that guy didn't do. Now you're trying to find somebody who can do what he didn't do because right. you're trying to rectify that situation. Yep. Um, I understand what you're saying about the 25 and a half million. Um, if if his number was 18 and a half per year on a four year deal, different story. With a
1: third and a fifth as a trade. Say 18 is just simply what those guys are getting. Yeah. That's the market. Yes. Now. Yeah. You know, and it, and actually it's probably north of that right now, isn't it? I mean, the guys that have played that yep. have been around for a while. Listen. I... And here, here's another side to that. If you're Dave Caldwell, if you're Doug Marone and you're Tom Coughlin, and you have to win right now, because the expectations from the from ownership are this needs to turn around, this needs to turn around right now. If I'm in that situation and I know I have to win right now, I think a little different going into yes. it. But if you know, if you're saying, listen, Let's go get a young quarterback, a draft pick, and because when you do, you're going to you know that kind of buys you a little bit more time. Maybe you get two or three more years. But if I got to win right now, I'm looking at Nick Foles. But if I've got a little time, I'm kind of thinking Teddy Bridgewater, Tyrod Taylor, go draft a first round pick, and hopefully he he pans out. So there's two different ways to to look at this. It's a bridge
0: guy and a draft
1: pick, or
0: it's a veteran established, and then you spend that first round pick on another player that can help you on offense, yeah. and by the way, just as a side note, of all the positions on offense, the two positions that rookies seem to have the most success in right away are running back and offensive line. Hmm. Receivers and quarterbacks, tight ends, tend to take a little longer to develop for whatever reason. Um, listen, a left tackle, You know, obviously, we've seen what Baselli did, but even some guys like Khalif Barnes came in and was able to play early on as a tackle I don't know that you spend the seventh pick on a right tackle where the Jaguars have some need or a right guard where they may have some need Um, but I just think I'm just throwing it out there I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that the Jaguars spend that first round pick on a a running back it's not not I don't think it's the odds on favorite position right but I think they might again going with this thought
1: of having to win right now I I actually agree with you I, I I could see that happening don't be surprised if you're surprised. Right. Don't be surprised if you're surprised. Um, don't be surprised if we get Nick Foles that he is just a guy.
0: See, again, I, I wouldn't just, be surprised if he was guy. just a guy. But again, but just
1: a guy is good enough to win you 10 games in this group. Right. With If you go get a running back, yeah. if you get an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. I mean, it could be a quick fix. Um, but you're not getting an elite guy. I can promise mm-hmm. you yeah. that.
0: Yeah, this is not Drew Brees. No, 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 or, no, 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 no.
1: You know Tom Brady. No, people remember Nick Foles because they saw him in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's great. But you've got to look at the body of work. You're not getting a top five guy. Yeah, not the. I don't know if anybody it's really thinks that. I'd say top fifteen. I don't know if I'll say top ten. Right. Something I think twelve to eighteen yeah, range. and would be that's reasonable. listen. It, it's an upgrade. It's yeah. not bad. But if our defense is a top five. Defense. if we could run the ball. Another thing is, how much is the philosophy going to change under Yeah, I don't think it's DiFilippo's call to make. I think it's Tom's call to make. I think it's Doug Marone's call to make. And if they want to play great defense and run the ball and not turn it over, then you can have all the fancy, modern, current, progressive, offensive plays you want. We ain't doing them.
0: Well, let me, let me talk about the defense a little bit mm-hmm. here because this is the other part of this conversation. Uh, the Jaguars brought in Dom Capers, this past week, as the senior defensive assistant. Yeah. Um, this, We've seen this happen uh, before when a coach is under a, a bit of pressure that he says, all right, well, let me get, in fact, this is one of the reasons Doug Marone was brought in toward the end of the Gus Bradley era is because they he wanted another guy who, he you know, he could say, all right, I know this guy knows this stuff. He's been through it. He's been a head coach. He understands how it operates. Now, Dom Capers is one of the most well-respected defensive minds right ever in the NFL he was a defensive coordinator on your teams in 99 and 2000 that's right has always been a zone blitz guy um more often than not a 3-4 guy but not always has done uh, plenty of 4-3 mm-hmm. this has not been a blitzing defense by and large in, in Jacksonville under Todd Wash how much of a change is Dom Capers going to make in the Jaguars defensive philosophy i don't
1: i don't i don't know and honestly i i uh, oh, first of all i love dom capers yeah, terrific, he guy. is a good man yeah. He is an incredible coach, uh, uh, just an amazing coaching career. I can go on and on about him, but I don't get the hire. If I'm Tom, w- if I'm Todd Wash, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. If he was brought in to come alongside Todd, okay. If he was brought in to kind of advise Doug. I understand that, but I don't think—I I think Todd Wash has done a very good job.
0: Top six defense in
1: yes. the la- each of the last three years. If it's not broke, you don't fix it. Do we need it? Does Todd Wash need another voice? Is that higher any indication that there's perhaps not as much confidence in Todd Wash as maybe we think there is? I,
0: I, no, I think they're absolutely—that is exactly what that says. And that they want a different perspective and don't want just the same old thing over and over again with, you know, the thing— Last year, they were very vanilla on defense, and some teams started right. to try to figure them out. We talked about this. After the Kansas City game, you could see a different way that teams were approaching the Jaguars' defense, and they found some ways to, to get it done. Now, the Jags' defense was still very good, not as good as the year before. Right. Sacks, not as opportunistic. They didn't get they the ball as much. Right. Sacks, Biggest difference. No doubt. Yep. Sacks and, and the turnovers forced, were the big, and points scored, uh, the, the a huge difference. We knew that it was unlikely that they were going to follow up what they did in 2017 and 2018 with with those numbers, because some of that is just luck. You know, you've know, you gotta be in the right place at the right time, right. or be in the right situation in the game. But, still the number six defense, this is not, uh, our number five rather, right? they were they were five, two, and six the last three years in total yards. Um, I think it's interesting because Doug Marone told us that he does not even interview coaches for his staff, unless he's coached with them, or unless somebody he has coached with has coached with them. So what that says is he went to Coughlin and said what about Capers?
1: Right? So I would disagree with that. Oh, really? I think Tom Coughlin said we're hiring Dom Capers. Oh, another, another well, okay, whether whether Doug went to Tom or Tom went to is I, a Tom I Coughlin, think this is, it's a Tom Coughlin endorsed move. I think it's a Tom uh, I think it's a Tom Coughlin uh, absolutely endorsed moved. I think he I think he reached out. He made the call and said he said, "Dom, I want to bring in." They're they've they're longtime friends, completely respect one another. Obviously, but I don't think this has anything to do with Doug Marone or or uh, what he wants or his who he'd like to bring on. I think this is all about Tom. This is, is just my guess. Is this now? The, they're not going to tell you that, right? But I think this is Tom Coffin saying, Doug's, uh, "Dom Capers is coming in, and this is the way it's going to be." Is this the kind of move? that
0: threatens the stability or balance of a defensive coaching staff? Sometimes you could have too many voices. Um,
1: Dom is not a, a, a big, overbearing personality. I think Dom understands how important culture is. I read something where Dom Capers will come in and he's going to fix the culture. What, what's he going to do? I think he's a sounding board. I think if if Todd Wash is smart, listen. Dom Capers is going to be here. I think you just bounce everything off of him, mm-hmm. knowing that you're the voice. The defensive coordinator is the voice. The offensive coordinator has to be the voice, and you don't have to be on the same page. Todd Walsh and Dom Capers don't have to be on the same page, but the players have to think that you are. Mm-hmm. You might have different philosophies. Yeah. You like, might it's disagree. Like right? The kids yes. have to
0: think that you're totally. There's no
1: question. Yeah. So, is is. I, this isn't a role where Dom Capers is going to be up in the de- on the, in the defense talking to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. If it is, can I
0: make this parallel? Tell me it, if this is accurate crazy. It, it'd mind. be
1: crazy if it was.
0: Tell, tell me if you think this is an accurate uh, parallel. Doug Marone working under Tom Coughlin. Uh, regardless of what the titles are. Marone has said he's used Coughlin as a sounding board constantly with these things because yes. he respects him so much has such a, a, a deep regard for him say if Todd Wash can treat Dom capers in that same way it can be a real benefit absolutely to this
1: absolutely there's no question and Todd would be a fool not to lean on Dom capers hey what do you think about this um that would be smart and Doug the same th- the same way hey Dom what do you think about this it's just interesting because you You've already got Tom, and you're bringing in, to a degree, another Tom. An older guy that's been around a lot that knows a lot about football in the NFL. So obviously, Tom felt like there was a void. Something missing, something needed. We've got to find someone to kind of fill this role to help whoever needs to be helping. More institutional wisdom. Exactly. Or Tom just says, you know what? Gosh, I really like Dom. He's available. He's my buddy. Wouldn't hurt to bring him in. Mm-hmm. How much of a role he has, we don't know. You know, they brought in Monty Kiffin. You know, Gus brought in Monty Kiffin right. years ago. Monty Kiffin was watching a lot of tape. He was around. I'm not sure Monty Kiffin did a lot. Right. You know? Um, things it's, that I've heard that he was just kind of – you know, Gus had worked with him before down in Tampa, just kind of brought him on and uh, let him be in the building, let him be a part of it. But I don't know how much – Monty Kiffin really had a role. Now, listen, I don't know. I'm just guessing. But uh, I was in the building a lot. And it didn't seem like Monty was doing a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. I you agree know? with you. Yeah. You know?
0: I think that's accurate. Um, all right, well, the next thing on the agenda for the Jaguars is the scouting combine. You'll be up in Indy for uh, some of that, where you'll be um, sort of giving some advice or yeah. some uh, some guidance to some of the quarterback prospects. We It'll- expect you to spill the beans when you get back about um, what you have learned about these guys some of whom may be
1: on the Jaguars radar in that first or second well they they, they, uh, there's some guys that that absolutely will they'll take a close look at those guys and and whether they ask me about my for my input I I don't know but um, I get to know most of these guys Uh, I get half the quarterbacks Chad Pennington gets half the quarterbacks and we're there as a sounding board no I don't I haven't seen the list Um, but I'm quite selfishly I'm hoping it's the guys that you know they're expected to go right. you know top you know the Drew Locks and and, and Haskins of course I would love to be around them uh, just to get to know them and uh, and it's really more of a personal thing you know in years past some guys have jumped out uh, as guys that had where the combine wasn't too big for them they weren't overwhelmed by it but it was just they were they were you know cool as can be and to handle everything with class and, and excellence and performed well and just carry themselves very well. Some guys do a lot better than others. Mm-hmm. Dak Prescott was impressive. Carson Wentz was impressive. You know, guys that just handled it um, like they had, like it was their fifth combine.
0: Have you seen, and in, in will this be the fourth year you've
1: done this? I think it's the fourth year that I've done this.
0: Have, have you seen guys who have handled it very well than who have not shown anything? At the next level. In other words, is it, uh, how much of an indicator it. is that? Um,
1: listen, some guys didn't handle it real well that I thought, um, at least going through the process, um, uh, just weren't real good guys mm-hmm. that have turned out to be decent players. Right. How about the other way some around? Some guys that have been great kids and you just never heard of them. Yeah. You know, and it really comes down to you got to
0: you got to have you can have the, the
1: the the personality and the approach. You still got to have the goods you have to have the goods and a lot of teams when they when they have a real, a guy that's maybe he's a problem guy, a character guy that he's a problem, but if he's a real good player guess what, teams in the NFL think they can fix him, you know, might be a bad guy in college and I'm not just talking about quarterbacks, just have some issues things in their past, you know, we'll get him to Jacksonville and our with our discipline and our structure and our accountability, we'll fix that person Yeah, it doesn't always work that way mm-hmm. RJ Soured, doesn't right. always work that way
0: yeah, sometimes <laughs> I, that's R.J. Soward was one of the great examples of what I call the arrogance of coaching. And that is a coach yeah. who says, well, his high school coach, his college coach couldn't reach him, and maybe his pro coach, but I can get to we him. can get to I him. I can get to him. Yeah, not so Doesn't much. Doesn't usually work out that way. All right, Mark, thanks a lot. We look forward to uh, seeing your stuff up there uh, in Indy, uh, talking to you afterwards on the podcast. And I know everybody is anxiously looking forward to the promo shoot we've just done where we all look like we're having a great time <laughs> and talking about something very interesting together. Sounds good. Thanks, Cole. All right, thank you for tuning in here on Teal the Podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Play, and you can always find Teal the Podcast online at news 4 For Mark Brunel, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks so much for listening to Teal the Podcast.